0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Listen to the word of the Lord. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist or Elijah. And Let me read it off y'all's text. <laughs> Well, we've got it in a different translation than my Bible. Some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Look at verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I want to talk to you tonight from a midweek Bible study simply titled Let's Talk About Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for the good testimonies, God. Thank you for a church full of serving people, people who desire to do ministry, Lord, people who love you and love each other, God. I thank you for the workers in our children's church tonight and in our youth, God. I pray that you would bless them, bless our young people, God. Pour your love out on them. I pray tonight as we look to your word that you would be our teacher by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to go back to verse 13, and we're going to study out this little portion of Scripture. This, in my Bible, is a subset. It's got a little title for it. It's, it's got um, indentions where it differentiates it from the rest of the passage. I've told you all these are called pericopes. A pericope is a literary term which indicates a portion of a text that stands alone. You can take this out. It's like what we would call a paragraph. When you're writing a letter... You write a paragraph, any paragraph should be able to be pulled out and be just like a literary work on its own. It it should have some type of start, middle, and finish. And this is a pericope inside the scripture, verse 13 through uh, actually verse 20 in my Bible. If you don't have a Bible that separates these things, you need to get yourself a good study Bible. And if you want some help on that, well, I'll just tell you on tape. uh, I think that the uh, Life Application Study Bible in the New Living Translation is the greatest Study Bible for the average church member. It's not the greatest if you want to go. If you're working on a doctorate degree in theology, you want to look for something else. But for everyday reading and great study, I believe that that is a fantastic study Bible. Let's look at verse 13 and talk about some things in Scripture. I want you to learn something tonight. Say learn. The Bible says to get understanding. The Bible, the King James, I love the King James just because it's a poetic, majestic language. And it says with all your getting understanding get understanding and we're supposed to understand what we read we're supposed to get knowledge we're supposed to get wisdom we're supposed to get understanding we're supposed to be learning that's what a disciple is someone who's dedicated their life to following the precepts teachings and life of another so we got to learn about jesus in verse 13 it said when jesus came to the region of caesarea philippi come." always want to pause on the punctuation it's the only way you're going to learn if you're going to study you're going to have to learn how to pay attention to the punctuation you're going to have to learn how to pause when you get to commas and think okay well that's saying something to me what is it saying when jesus came to the region of caesarea philippi now you could sit and you could pray for a hundred hours and, so, and just you could praise out, you could you could scream at God in tongues, and you can ask God for the revelation of what is the region of Caesarea Philippi, and God is not going to draw you a map on your wall. God is not going to bust off into your room. Some things you're going to have to either get someone who has studied this to teach you, or you're going to have to look into different study materials. Caesarea Philippi is, according to most... Uh, Commentators roughly 25 miles away from Galilee. Galilee is where Jesus spent most of his time. Galilee was where all the Jewish people were that Jesus ministered to on the daily. He went to this place called Caesarea Philippi, 25 miles away. Y'all know how far 25 miles is? That's a hump. I mean, how far is it to your house from here, Ken? That's more than from here to your home. I mean, if we just all decided, hey, I tell you what, we've been doing ministry here. Let's just all walk all the way down Blandy Boulevard, out to Jacksonville, through Orange Park, out the backside of Orange Park, through Middleburg and almost to start, uh, and sit down and talk. I don't think we're going to get a lot of followers on that level. 25 miles That hey, wasn't no transit, wasn't no MARTA, wasn't wasn't no mass transit. There was no bus system. They got to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, this is a unique place. This is a spot that is really out of the way. All right? Now, I told you, if there's a comma there, you're supposed to pause, and it's supposed to tell you something. If you're going to really be who God wants you to be, if you're really going to follow follow Jesus, sometimes you're going to have to go a long way. This is a long way. People want stuff quick. We live in a world where people want stuff quick. Um, you know, instant grits, not good. Uh, but most people won't take the time to make grits. Instant popcorn, awesome. Way, way, way better. I mean, I, I can remember putting grease in the bottom of the, the pan and, and pouring kernels in it and standing there shaking it until it's done. That's a lot of work. You know, Jiffy Pop made, made it somewhat easier, but, you know, you burned it all the time. Uh, people want stuff fast. Christianity doesn't happen fast all the time. God does things on his time frame. And the Bible says that a thousand years with the Lord is as a day. A thousand years to us is as a day with the Lord. Now, that's not literal. That doesn't mean every thousand years God said, okay, that's one more day. What that's saying is God doesn't measure time the way we do. God doesn't measure distance the way we do. But this was a really long way. I have never... I can promise you this, I've never walked 25 miles at one time in my life. I did walk 16 miles with a 75-pound backpack on my back in basic training, and that was as far as any human being ought to walk. But they go to this place, Caesarea Philippi, and what's cool about Caesarea Philippi, it was a center of lots of different religions. It had a big pagan worship area, the outside of Galilee, because Galilee was hardcore Jewish, this is hardcore Gentile. So this is getting away from their comfort zone. This is getting out in the middle of pagans. This is, this is getting out in a place of, of distance and, and non-familiarity. And Jesus chooses as his backdrop to talk about who he really is, the surroundings of temples to false gods, marble statues to false gods, So they're looking at all this stuff that doesn't look like Jesus when he's going to ask his big question in a moment. Who do people say that I am? So they go to this city 25 miles away, and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And so he's asking. This is different. He's he's fed thousands of people. You know, we talk about Jesus fed the 4,000, and Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, literally, I don't know why they chose well. I know theologically why Jewish people don't respect children and women the same way we Western civilized people do. They only counted the men in those feedings. When they, when they said he fed the 5,000, he didn't feed 5,000 at that time. He fed 5,000 men plus the women and the children. So, I mean, come on now. You've been in church, but look around. The, the women and the children are going to outnumber the men in any family, um, even if it's just a woman and one child, they got the man doubled up already. So he'd fed thousands of people. He had done miracles. And now he pulls off to the side and he asks just, he's away from the crowds. He's gone a long distance. He's got just his uh, disciples, his apostles with him. And he says, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, the Son of Man is a title Jesus used for himself, it has lots of biblical implication. You want to do a Google search, that's an awesome Bible study to get into. It'll bless you. But for tonight's teaching, I want you to understand that the question he's asking them is who do other folk say that I am? Who do people outside the church say that I am? Who do the people that go to these pagan religions say that I am? Who do people that follow other religions than the religion we follow say that I am? And if you're alive at all and talking to anybody, then you, you, you probably know some people that don't go to church. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The longer you're in Christ and the more locked down you get with God, the less people like that you're going to know. I mean, that, that, that it feels, sometimes it feels like everybody I know is in church. My whole life is, 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 is in Galilee. Well, I'm like, okay, well, get out into Caesarea Philippi and, and see who, are, who do they call Jesus. You probably got some family members that aren't saved. You probably got some friends that aren't following God at the level that you're following God. It's important that you know who Jesus is because he's, he's not the same to them as he is to you. Jesus is looking around at all these statues, all these idols, all these big marble edifice temples, Uh constructed and erected to false gods and jesus is knowing in his mind i'm the real god and they're seeing all these other idols around here who who do all these people say that i am and in verse 14 the bible says and they said come some somebody who's still awake and paying attention who's the they now i told you before usually in the bible when it says us it's talking to christians Us and we talking to Christians. They and them talking to non-Christians. There are exceptions. This is an exception. This they is not unsaved people. Who are the they? The disciples. He asked the disciples who do people say that I am. So the disciples said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Are we in the King James again? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. It says Elias there. It would say Elijah in a different verse. There we go. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Okay, now this is, if you know anything about the Bible, or if you know a lot about the Bible, you know that this couldn't even be possible. Okay, this could not even be possible. Now, he could have been, if you believed as the Pharisees did, if you believed as the pagan worshipers of the first century believed, they believed in a doctrine called transmitigation of souls. There's another study you can do. Uh, metempsychosis, transmitigation of souls. They believe that people would come back in different forms. It's loosely what we call reincarnation, but it's not the same thing. It's the internal person coming back in a different way. It's, it's slightly different than reincarnation. But basically what they're saying here is some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Jeremiah. Well, the people of that day believed that you could come back your soul could inhabit another body in a, in, a, in a different time frame. Well, the problem was, even in their own doctrine, they didn't believe in transmitigation of souls of people who were alive at the same time. So what's the moral of the story? False religions are stupid. That's the moral of the story. How could he be John the... Okay, if you believe in transmitigation of souls, if you believe in reincarnation, if you believe that somebody could come back in a different generation and inhabit the body of somebody else but still be the basic soul of the original person... Then, okay, maybe Elijah, you know, 100 years before. Maybe Jeremiah, hundreds of years before. But John the Baptist, they did ministry at the same time. They were in the same body of water. Not only that, they were cousins. They were alive together. How could they be the same person? I mean, that doesn't even work inside their own doctrine. We need to understand that just because people know big words, Just because people know their religion doesn't make their religion right or accurate. All religions outside of Christianity are false and foolish. And this shows the foolishness of their own theory of transmitigation because it's not possible even... Who do people say that I am? Well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say that you you Elijah, come back from the dead. Some people say you Je- Jeremiah, come back from the dead. Some people say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Well, they were in the same city together. That couldn't have even happened. But if you don't break it down and think about it, you don't pull that out right away. And when you're talking to your unsafe family, your unsafe friends, unsafe co-workers, reading what people say that don't love Jesus uh, on the Internet, in the news, in print, in media... People can say stuff that sounds intelligent when really they're so far off base. If you slowed it down and thought about it, you'd realize, well, that's just foolish. That couldn't even possibly be. God is a God of logic. God is a God of order. God is a God of science. Everything works together in Christ and in God's kingdom. And all, people that try to sound smart and rule God out, if you really investigate their claims, they sound foolish. One of the most powerful human beings in the world, probably the most influential at times, had been the most influential person in this country is Oprah Winfrey. And, you know, Oprah, you know, it's said of Oprah, if if Oprah looks at a book, it goes on the bestseller list. If Oprah mentions a product, you know, whoever has it gets rich. Well, Oprah says some really smart things and sounds really intelligent, really educated many times when she talks about spirituality because Oprah is an extremely spiritual person. Oprah has a guru. Oprah has people that are deeply spiritual connected to her that have written books and done worldwide seminars, and she knows a lot of stuff about mysticism. But she don't know anything about Jesus. Google Oprah said Jesus is not the only way. Now, the most influential woman in our country is not Hillary Clinton. In my opinion, it's Oprah Winfrey. That's just me. You pick your favorite. You pick who you think is is more influential than Oprah, and you you do you. But Oprah said on her own show, it's not possible that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There couldn't only be one way to heaven. And to listen to Oprah talk or to listen to her guru talk, uh, they, they sound really intelligent until you start breaking down the things that they say. And once start people, people start saying the wrong thing about Jesus, you need to click that dial off. Okay, now obviously, these people don't know what they're talking about, um, even in their own religion. They've got their own religion bent. And the problem with discussing religion with false religionists they study how to argue against Christians. Christians don't study how to argue against false religionists. Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. They have classes where they're taught how to go out and debate with Christians. Churches don't put together classes saying, okay, now when you go talk to Mormons this week, here's the nine scriptures I want you to give to them that's going to trip them up. They're studying on how to make uh, the scripture look muddy to us so they look like they have the answer. Listen, only Christianity has the answer. And if you, so if you listen to them, that's why the Bible says don't entertain arguments with them. Don't get into discussions with people who want to argue with you about whether or not Jesus Christ is the only way. But if you really study what they have to say, their stuff is is whack on premise. Now, if you just look like Mormons, I know a lot about the Mormon church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My father was a Mormon. Um, I took a class on Mormonism in seminary, and I had a personal interest in it. So a lot of times you take classes in college, and you just blow through them. Sometimes if you're passionate about it, you lock in, and you learn a lot about it. Well, honestly, people that are involved in the LDS movement, Latter-day Saints, they're some of the best people you ever meet in your whole life. These are the most morally upright, some Muslims are some of the most morally upright people you're ever gonna meet. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss. I mean Mormons don't drink coke, sweet tea or unsweet tea. Um, They are mandated by their church to give 10% of their income and save 10% of their income. They're mandated by their church to have Bible study night in their home one night a week where they can't watch uh, anything else. They can't have anybody. It's it's family night, and they have to sit down and study their doctrines together. I mean, these are some really committed, connected people. And if you look at them on the surface, you can say, wow, they're together. But if you start to examine the claims that they have, uh, here's one for you. The Mormon church was started by a man named Joseph Smith who died with a gun in his hand trying to break out of prison. And they call him a martyr. Newsflash. Martyrs don't die with guns in their hands. Breaking out of prison with their brother. Uh, Here's here's another one that, that, you know, because on the surface sounds real good. And they run the commercials where everybody's loving each other and they want to give you a copy of the King James Version Bible and they want to say, we believe just like you. Same commercials Muslims want to run on you. A Muslim American just like you. Well, it sounds good and warm and fuzzy until you start looking at their claims. Here, here's a Latter-day Saint claim. Um, when you die in the next life, if you've been good enough, you will be a god over your own planet, and your firstborn child gets to die for all the inhabitants of your planet, and they get to pray to you. Okay? I don't even want a system like that. Okay, that's so shocking and so ridiculous and so far fetched. I mean, on the surface, they're the cleanest living people in the world. But you start believing that your firstborn child is going to die for the sins of somebody else, you obviously have stepped into delusionville. Okay, there's a delusion spirit outside of Christianity. Anybody talking about spirituality, anybody talking about religion outside of this book is walking in a delusion spirit. Cause this is the truth, and everything else Jesus said is a lie, okay? And so these people, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about, and, you know, they're like, well, you know, John the Baptist, Elijah, whoever, look at verse 15. Then he asked them, then he, who's, who's the he? It'd be good if they had to capitalized that so you could know, uh, then he, Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Now, see, this is where the rubber meets the road, because who all those pagans in Caesarea Philippi said Jesus was? Was false anyway. He wasn't John the Baptist. Souls don't transmitigate. He wasn't reincarnated. He wasn't Jeremiah or Elijah. They were wrong. They all had been deceived. Jesus even said, it, it, when you talk to people about Christ, Paul talked about it. The scripture says it's like God takes the scales off their eyes and they see the truth. Everybody that ain't in Jesus has this delusion spirit on them that they have to have that spirit taken off them so they can see the truth. So Jesus flips it and says, okay, well, let's get out of these Caesarea Philippi people because, you know, we're surrounded by all these fake churches and false gods and statues here away from our hometown. Let's get down to us. Who do you say that I am? Now, this is what's way more important. Typically, somebody will ask the big thing first. Sometimes they'll save the big thing for last. Sometimes the first question is just a setup. In this case, the first question was just a setup because it's more important who you say he is than who your lost family friends, family and friends say he is because who they say he is is going to be wrong, guaranteed. Whoever they say he is, that's wrong. But the question is, who do the people that are claiming to follow Jesus, say that he is. And this is the question that you need to ask of yourself. If someone was to come up to you, if God gave you opportunity, because we all want everybody in our family to go to heaven. We all want all of our kids to be saved. We want mom and them to be saved. We want our family, friends, and neighbors, and co-workers, and people we care about to be saved. And we should pray for them. If God gave you an opportunity in a moment of clarity, and some one one person that you wanted to see saved came to you and said, "Who do you really think? What do you really think about Jesus? Who who, who do you really think Jesus is?" Josh McDowell wrote a great book uh, uh, where he talked about Jesus being one of three things: he was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. You can't accept him on any other level because of the claims he made for himself. He either had to be lying and know he was lying because liars know they're lying. He, or, or crazy, crazy just don't know they're lying. That's lunatic. Or he really was who he said he is. And you need to make up in your mind, are you able to articulate out of your mouth who Jesus is to you? Because these people coming to your door on Saturday, I don't answer the door. That's just me. For anybody. You could be at my door, you. My sister could come to my house, ring my doorbell. I don't answer. She called me on the phone, say, hey, I'm at the front door. Oh, I'll be there in a second. I just don't answer that. A, home invasion. B, sellers. I ain't, I ain't trying to get home invaded. I ain't buying nothing at the door. So that's out for me. But these people coming to your door, these people talking, these guys riding bicycles in neighborhoods, uh, sharing their false religion, they know who they think Jesus is. But if you had to articulate who would you say that Jesus is to you, this is the question that he asked his disciples. Let's look at verse 16. Simon Peter answered, comma. Now that's cause for pause. We got a comma. Simon Peter talked a lot. If you study the Gospels, you'll find out. It's not unusual for Simon Peter. That's a song. Y'all know that, right? Just just checking. Just hit me when I said it. But it is not unusual for Simon Peter to be the one. All the, all the people under 50 are like, that's not a song. <laughs> Simon Peter answered. He spoke up for the group. Listen, sometimes it's good to speak up. Sometimes it's good to be quiet. If you know that you know that you know you have the right answer, you ought to speak up. But if you're not sure, you ought to listen. And when you're in the presence of people that are greater than you, you really ought to listen. And that's why it's funny to me when I ask people, like when we're studying, I'm like, how many people think this way? (sighs) How many people think this way? Some of y'all didn't raise y'all's hands because y'all don't want to be wrong. Uh, And I get that. Hallelujah. Simon Peter, because he asked, somebody had to answer. He said, you are the Messiah, comma, great. Study right there. You want to study something? You want to learn who Jesus is? Google that word Messiah. Then he goes on and says, the son of the living God. One of the things that makes God different. See, we talk about Jesus being a living God because he beat death. Well, they're talking about God being a living God while Jesus was on the earth. And this is one of the things that makes our religion so different. All other gods are dead. Not only is Jesus alive, but God was never not alive. God has always been. That's why when Moses asked him, who, who, what should I say your name is? Who should I say sent me? He said, I am. It's not that he was or that he's going to be. I am. He's, he, he's the eternal. He's the everlasting. He's the ever-existent God. And... Peter recognized that you are the Messiah. You're, you're the chosen one, the promised one. You're the one who comes save his people. You're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God. Remember now, they're sitting in Caesarea Philippi surrounded by statues of false idols and temples to false gods. And because Peter had been listening to what Jesus said, he realized all oh, the rest of this stuff has no life in it. But what Jesus is saying has life in it. And whether it's Oprah being deeply spiritual or your family or friends or your coworkers who sound really smart but you know they're not into Christ. You need to be smart enough to realize there's no life in what they're talking about. Because God is alive and he's the only one offering life. And so this is a really deep piece of information that Peter is putting out right there because Peter is known to say dumb stuff. But here he doesn't say dumb stuff. Let's keep watching verse 17 and and we'll see why. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, period. He's like, Good job, Simon. You finally said something that made sense. You're blessed. Why? Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Revealed what to him? Who Jesus is. Revealed what to him? The fact that what God promises us has life and other religions don't. Outside of God, there's no hope. Outside of God, there's no life. Spirituality. All these people putting on their social media, um, I'm spiritual but not religious. That means they think they're smart about spirituality, but they just don't like Jesus and the church. Stay away from those people because they have delusion spirit on them. And God has not revealed the truth to them. Let me tell you something real quick. There's a big punchline that I might not get to because I don't have any notes. But get this if you don't get anything else. You can't know who Jesus is unless God shows it to you. The Bible says no one can come to God unless the Father draws them. That's why when I hear people say, smartest thing I ever did was give my heart to the Lord. That had nothing to do with you. That was not predicated on your intelligence. That was God drew you. The Bible says no one can come to the Lord except the Father draws them, except the Spirit leads them. God has to open your eyes for you to believe the truth. You just, we don't believe the truth because we're smarter than our family. You have unsaved family members, you don't believe the truth because you research. People are like, you ever hear somebody say, well, I study all world religions, deluded spirit, don't listen to them. They think they're smart and they don't have life inside them, okay? People want to study all these different world religions and, and then try to figure out the truth. You can't figure out this truth without God giving it to you. That's why Jesus said, you don't even understand this, Simon, but you're so blessed because what you just said is true. You didn't figure that out on your own. You didn't learn that from anybody. God has to show you this stuff. He goes on to say, after he said, my Father in heaven revealed this to you, you did not learn this from any human being. Jesus isn't saying that I'm superhuman and I taught it to you. He said the Father revealed this to you. There ought to be such a humility. In Christianity, because we didn't get this on our own. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. It's like Victor was talking about, one of his friends passed away, but he's here. There ought to be a humility associated with that, that I sense. There ought ought to be a recognition that God has me. Others perish, but I'm here. Others aren't alive, but I'm here. Others are. I tell my kids all the time, you need to be thankful God let you believe in Jesus. Because you could be believing just as hard in Allah right now as you're believing in Jesus right now. And you don't need to be angry with Muslims, you don't need to be angry with, with, with unsaved people. You need to pray and ask for God to have mercy on them and open their eyes so they can see the truth. Because we can't preach. Enough to them, we can't say it the right way enough to them. We we can't market or strategize it enough for them. God has to reveal Himself. That's how big He is. We we can't get other people to, oh, okay, well, because you explained it, Lauren, so specially wonderful to me now that I get it. No, God could use Lauren to explain it to me. But while she's explaining it to me, he's pulling the scales off my eyes and allowing me to see and understand the truth. There ought to be a humility there. There ought to be a thankfulness there to God that says, I'm so thankful that you chose to reveal yourself to me because I could be lost. I could be serving some false god. I could be chasing one of these gods in Caesarea Philippi, but you chose to reveal yourself to me. Well, why would God choose to reveal himself to you? and not someone else. Uh, We don't have time to discuss that, and that's not something to argue about, but it is something to be thankful about. Jesus said, man, you don't even know how big what you just said is, son. You didn't learn that. God revealed that to you. You ought to be thankful every day. This is why there should be no proud Christians, and this is why there should be no Christians looking down on other religions um, and, and, and wishing they were as smart as us, Because you ought to be so thankful because everything that you have was given to you, even the faith to believe in God. We didn't rationalize this thing. We weren't taught into Christ. I like how we used to say it in the old church. You you can't join in. You got to be born in. God has to do something supernatural for you to get this. Look at verse 18. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock. Anybody remember what his real name is? Simon. Simon's his name. Jesus says, "Well, your name is Peter, which means rock." Jesus call you what he wants to. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. The largest group of people that claim to follow Christ, and many of them do, is the Roman Catholic Church. Largest Christian denomination in the world. People think that there's a Baptist church on every corner. People think that Baptists are are just everywhere. There are, by their count, and I think they're, you know, exaggerating, 16 million Baptists in the world. 16 million Baptists in the world. So, if you said, well, there's 10 times as many Catholics, that would be 160 million. There's over... 1.6 1.6 billion Catholics in the world. There's over 100 Catholics in the world for every Baptist, okay? Why, why am I telling you this? Because there's a lot of Catholics in the world. At one point, everybody in the world was Catholic. That's what the Crusades were about. They killed everybody that wouldn't be Catholic, so you be Catholic or dead or on the run. I bring up the Catholic Church because this is one verse. This is the verse right here. This is one verse that the largest church in the Christian world took out of context to say that Peter is the one Jesus built the church on. And Peter's the first pope, and the pope is all-powerful. Well, if you study the verse, you will see that that's not what it says. He said, you're Peter, and your name means rock, and on this rock I will build my church. Well, that looks like that says Jesus built the church on Peter. And Catholics teach that the church was built on Peter. Peter is the first pope, and everything runs through the pope. It's not what it says. If you read this in the original languages, and I've told you before, the New Testament was primarily written in Greek. The Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. I've preached with interpreters before, and I've seen the look in their face because I say some jacked-up stuff that they don't have a real word to translate to. I use you know, common speech uh, that we use in the street when I preach, and they try to take a word that associates best with it. And we have an English reading Bible, and sometimes if you read it in Greek, you'll get a deeper understanding of it. Well, in the Greek, it says that you are Peter, and the word Peter is Petra. And it means rock. And the other word is, or no, the word Peter is petros, which means rock. And the other, he uses a play on words. The first time he says which means rock, he uses the masculine form of the word petra. And the second time he says, and upon this rock, he uses a different word. He uses the feminine form of the word. Now, this ought to create feminazis and woman movement all over the world because the female form, of rock is bigger in the Greek mind than the male form of rock. The feminine form of rock spreads out and expands and is large. The male form of rock is small and individual in one unit. Could talk about it, but that's just how, how the Greeks saw it. So, what he's saying is Peter, you're a little rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. The rock was not Peter. The big rock, Peter was the little rock. The big rock was revelation. The revelation that God showed to him. He said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He said, blessed are you, Peter, because God revealed this to you. Revealed what? Who Jesus is. The rock that Jesus builds the church on is the revelation that God gives to people to know that Jesus is God's son. That Jesus is the Messiah. That's what the church is built on, not on Peter. This is a play on words in the Greek, two different words, Petra and Petros. God builds his church on this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's why Sandy Patty sang a song that said, upon this rock of revelation, I'll build a strong and something foundation. The rock that God builds the church on is not the apostles, it's not apostolic authority, it's not the first pope. It's the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's the revelation of who Jesus really is. And if you get that, if you get who Jesus really is, then I want to tell you tonight, whether you feel it or not, you're blessed. You might not have all the money you want. It might not be going the way you want it to in your career. in in, in your your, your kids might not be where you want to be. All right, everybody pay attention. I'm going to wrap this up. Everybody, I got glassed over eyes. If you know who Jesus is, if you know that Jesus really lived, died, was buried, and rose again, if you know Jesus really came from the Father to save us from our sins, you are blessed by God. No matter what your bank account says, no matter who you're fussing and fighting with, no matter what the world is doing to you, you are blessed of God because you have the one piece of information that God builds his whole church on. You have the one piece of information that you could not have gotten on your own, that the pastor could not have handed you, that the school teacher could not have taught you. Of all the billions of people alive in the world, God reached down and he put his truth into you. And that makes you blessed. You're blessed because Jesus says you're blessed. You're blessed because God revealed his son to you. And you need to know wow, this is the whole thing. This is the the big rock. This, This is the foundation of it all, who Jesus is. And you know that. People are struggling. I just really, sometimes I just want to choke people. I'm just being honest. Uh, I counsel too many people. And you counsel enough people, you get, you get a choking spirit on you. I promise you. But when people, grown folk, tell me, Well, you know, Pastor, I, I just lived my life so long for my family and friends. I'm just trying to figure out who I am. I just want to throat punch folk. Well, you know, I, I just, I just my, my, my childhood was a blur. And then I got, you know, blah, 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 and now I'm trying to find myself. I bet if I got my hand around your throat, you'd know where you were. Don't be one of these people trying to find yourself. Don't be one of these people thinking that the meaning of life is out there somewhere, and I'm just trying to find the big, the, the big information. If you know that Jesus is God's son, and he's the Savior of your life, that's the big thing. That's the big rock. That's the everything. You already got it. Nothing can mess with it. Against the gates of hell can't prevail against it. The powers of hell can't conquer. Nothing is bigger than the revelation that you already possess. Well, I'm just studying all the world religions so I can, you know, just figure life. I'm Well, Pastor, I'm trying to figure life out. I'm just trying to find me. I'm just trying to figure out what it's all about. If you know the truth, you already know what it's all about. Stop trying to figure life out. Stop trying to figure out the bigger thing. Don't be in Caesarea Philippi with all these different false churches set up where you can go to this guy today, that guy tomorrow. They're confused and they're walking around in circles in Caesarea Philippi because they don't know who Jesus is. And the world we live in is confused and they're walking around in circles under the guise of, I'm trying to find myself. I'm just trying to figure out who I really am. The three big questions that psychologists teach man has searched for. Who am I? Where did I come from and where am I going? Or the fourth one, why am I here? Well, all that pales in comparison if you know that the foundation of my life is that Jesus is the son of the living God and he's my Messiah. If you know that Jesus died for your sins... And you call him your Lord, it not really matter if you ever get the house or the car. It doesn't really matter if you die with bills or without bills. Because the big rock, the big piece of information is what God reveals to us about his son. And I hope you know deep down. I mean, I hope you feel it to your toes. I know that I know who Jesus is. You don't have to know a whole lot else past that. If you're saved and you know it, you can hold on. I'm Florida State fans, itching in their chair Monday night. They were halftime, freaking out, getting beat down, scored a touchdown to make it closer at the end of the first half. But some of them were a little nervous. Why? Because they went into halftime and the other team was winning. A lot of times in life, it looks like the other team is winning. Florida State came back in the second half and won. So if you already know that before you watch the game and you're a Florida State fan, you wouldn't be as nervous at halftime as people who are watching it live. If your team is trailing at the half, you've got that fear. Maybe they're going to lose. If your child is trailing right now and you love your child, you, you could have some fear. Maybe my child ain't going to make it in life. If you're trailing right now, if the score is against you, if the odds are stacked against you, but you know that at the end of it all, heaven is your home, and God will open his arms to you and receive you, it doesn't really matter what the halftime score is doesn't really matter what the third quarter score is doesn't matter what the fourth quarter score is in God you could be down by 117 points with 2 seconds to go and still win because the bible says with God all things are possible and God don't measure time like other people measure time i've had people say well pastor after all my marriage my children my finances have been through I just don't see a way up or a way out at this point. See what you say you see. You see the big rock. The revelation that Jesus Christ is Messiah. He's the anointed, chosen one of God. The Savior of the world. Everything else falls in place behind that. That ought to take the stress off you. That ought to take the stress off, well, what about my children? Just like he revealed it to you. That's what the Bible means when it says believe in the Lord Jesus and uh, believe and be baptized. Believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized, thou shalt be saved, and your house. People say, well, I believe in Jesus. My kids are going to believe in Jesus too. There's a promise that the very same way you got saved is how your kids can get saved. The same God that revealed the truth to you can reveal the truth to your children. The same God that revealed the truth to you can reveal the truth to your spouse. The same God that revealed the truth to you can reveal the truth to the people you care about. So stop worrying about who in your family ain't where they need to be yet. And start thanking God for letting you know the big truth. You know who Jesus is. And you got to pray that God would reveal to other people who Jesus is. See, that's what the world needs. The world needs to know who Jesus is. Sure, we need more more people feeding the hungry. Sure, we need more people helping out. Sure, we need more uh, people getting involved in social injustice. Sure, we need more people getting behind worthy causes that bring equality in in a country that claims to uh, be all equal. Sure, we need all that. But the foundation... Is that Jesus is the Messiah. And if we can't all get on the same foundation. You're trying to build. But you're not building on the foundation. Your stuff's not even going to stand. We got to all be building together on the same foundation. The same big rock. And the big rock is not what the Catholic Church says it is. It's not apostolic authority. It's not papal authority. And it's not Peter. The big rock is the revelation that the Father gives to those who seek. He shows them who Jesus is. I think if I ask most people in the room tonight, you'd say that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that God has already shown you that. Well, then you need to be more thankful because you know what the big rock is. Maybe you don't know every verse in the Bible. No one does. Maybe you don't have the answers to all the problems you're facing this week. Most people don't. Maybe you have you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, and you don't even know, what, I mean, what you going to be when you grow up, Ken? He's never going to grow up. Ken's senior your adult in the room right now. Do you realize, if you ask anybody, most people are still thinking in their mind, I'm 53 years old. Most people, even in my age, they're still trying to figure out what they're going to be when they grow up. Don't get caught up in all that. Make your morning, noon, and night confession. God, thank you for letting me know the big thing. Thank you for revealing truth to me. I am truly moved to my feet. I am so thankful that I did not find myself believing in some cult. And giving my whole life to it. It burdens me. It burdens me. That some of these people in, in, in these false religions. They serve their religion harder than we serve ours. They sacrifice more. They dedicate more. They get up and go more. They give more. And none of it's going to add up to anything for them. Because they're not on the big rock. And when a storm comes, everything that's not on the rock gets knocked down. So I want you to be thankful that God chose to reveal the truth to you. And I want you to realize that your faith is not a byproduct of your intelligence. It's not a byproduct of anything good that you did. Because the Bible says there are none good, no, not one. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't have anything to boast about as Christians. Everything we have, including the faith that we have, God gave us. And we need to be thanking God for giving us that faith. And we need to be asking God to give that faith to others. Because the world needs to have the answer to this big question. Who is Jesus? Because that's the big rock. Let's pray. God, thank you for revelation. Thank you for the truth. God, thank you for the recorded truth you've given us to read in your Bible. Lord, I pray as we study the Gospel of Matthew this month. That you would speak to our hearts. Give us fresh wisdom, God. Speak to us from the other side. Teach us what you would have us to know. Thank you, God, for revealing the big rock to us. Thank you for setting us on a firm foundation. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be thankful that you chose to allow us to know that Jesus is the Messiah. I pray that we'll be humble, God, in our knowledge that only because You chose to reveal this to us. Do we even know who you are? We didn't learn it, but we weren't taught it, God. You opened our eyes to who you are, and you put faith inside of us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk in humility and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org. Until next time, we pray that you will live abundantly.